Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Thank you. So um, it's so good for me to be here because uh, I'm staying with my friend Yaku and Philip and myself and Yaku. We've known each other for for 26 years. This Bialunk, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Of, it's a big part of my life. So it's amazing to be here and um, yeah, to be with you. Not many of you that I know, um, but it's it's good. I wanna. How many of you are here for the? F- this is your first marriage enrichment day. How many of you, just keep those hands raised. I have a friend, Dale, thanks. I have a friend, this buyer, Vanilla. I have a friend, Dale, he works in, uh, in emergency, um, in ER, in, in hospital, in, in, in Plattekloof. And whenever he sees there's a young girl or a young person that is really afraid uh, to get stitches, then he can see this girl is really tense. So he says, is this your first time? And she says, yes, doctor, this is my first time. He says, don't be afraid. It's my first time as well. <laughs> so it's my first time as well to present a marriage seminar. Um, uh, my laptop is in the wrong way. See, this is how we start. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have it on my heart to, to, to share today. We grow because we, we, we get more information. That is true. More information opens your mind to new ideas, to new things. So the first time you hear something new, it broadens your expectation and it broadens the, that which is possible. So it's amazing. So you will probably gain a little bit more information today. But since most of us are older than 19, the stuff that I'm going to share with you might just be packaged differently, the truths that you know. So, so this is not the first time that you will be exposed to new stuff. But the fact that we do give the day attention to growing in relationship with this spouse of mine. That's the win. So I'm going to give us a lots of opportunity today. I see that you spaced all at the back. It's amazing. We do the same in Cape Town. You pack out the first two rows just to, to know that the people will not sit here. They will sit there. Um, so there will be opportunity for you. So I just want you that I was just thinking about this. I was thinking that uh, we have people that have kids that are 40 years old. We have people that have kids that, um, that are two weeks old. <laughs> We have people that are pregnant at the moment with the second one. We have people that, you know, you are still praying for children or you, you're uncertain whether you should have children uh, because you remember what type of teenager you were and you're wondering whether you should do this to yourself. And then we have, so, so we come with, with, with different expectations and different ideas to this day. And I want you to be kind to yourself. I don't want to sound like a new ager, but I really want you to be kind to yourself and to your spouse today and to trust that God is in this house. We're going to pray together now. But to trust that God is in this house. And that it, maybe really God brought you here to build into you today. Maybe the big conflict that the two of you are constantly facing, maybe God in His presence will not give you a tip today to fix this, but will do something in your hearts. And this is my expectation, that we have come to the house of God. We've come to God, the Father of love who will build something in us. And I really just want you to, to just trust in God's ability to build into you and God's ability to strengthen you today. 
Um, you want to maybe just share a little bit about myself? Um, it's just a little bit, Philip, there is a slide that just shows my family. It's an old slide because, I don't know, we, we struggle to get all four of us on a picture these days. So this, is, this picture is a little bit older. It's me and Magrit and Nathan and Marguerite. And Nathan is 10 years old now, so he's a little bit older than in the picture. And um, he's a little... He's a little designer. I don't want to say engineer, but designer. So he loves designing stuff. And when you, when you give him a moment, he, he draws something. The kids, you know, your kids know so much more than you do. He, he, this week, he introduced me to the concept of axolotls. I didn't know that the thing existed. He started drawing pictures of axolotls. And I thought this is one of the, those things that he d imagines. But no, it's a real thing. They grow 45 centimeters in the south of Mexico in lakes, and they look like little aliens. You can Google that even while we talk. I'm, I'll be happy that you do that, because I've never known. You spell it axolotl. So it's a Mexican word, and, and it's a weird thing. So he knows everything about axolotls, and he introduces me to the concept of axolotls. And I'm thinking, where did you get to know about axolotls? Anyway, so Marguerite is our little athlete, and our little dancer, and our little helper. She, she, she's one of those teacher pets kids in class. But she's like that everywhere. She just wants to help anyone. And she just, when one of her friends, you know, gets a little bruise or something, she's the one that picks her up and takes her to teacher and say, teacher, see, she's bleeding. And, you know, so she's like that. So she's a delightful little girl that cannot sit still. I've never, one of the parenting things, I know this is not a parenting course, but just so that you can know my family a little bit and trust me. So um, I told Yaku last night, you memorize the Lord's, the, the shepherd psalm when I was, what, seven years old. But I've never known, I never understood it until I had a boy named Nathan who was six years old. And I had to get him to the point where I say, the Lord is my shepherd. He will make me lie down in peace. <laughs> so, so my kids have taught me a lot about the Bible and about God. I will make you lie down. There's no titan to slop. There's no titan to slop. Anyway, so yeah, so let's, um, let's just uh, settle and pray, and then I'm going to, so today, maybe just before I start, so today, I really prayed, and I thought, what would be helpful for my marriage, what will be helpful for me, what will be good, and there are three things. So we're going to talk about cultivating an environment of affection warmth and encouragement in the house. Jim Burns, old, old, old teaching, but how do we do that? How do we cultivate an environment of affection, warmth, and encouragement? And I want to say to those that have younger children, school-going children, not affection, warmth, and encouragement to, towards the children first, but towards my spouse, because we are so children-focused and our lives are oriented. So how do I cultivate affection, warmth, and encouragement with this person that I said, I will love you all my days? How do we, how do we cultivate that environment in a high-stress, high-movement environment? So we're going to look at cultivating intimacy, cultivating peace. How do we have those difficult conversations? So today, maybe you've never had a conflict, but you know of friends that have conflict in their marriage. So just take notes for your friends, and you can tell them later. For the rest of them, we will practice it in here. And then lastly, this afternoon, we're going to cultivate hope. How do, we, how do we have, if hope really is a picture, if hope, hope really is how you orientate your life, 
how you organize your life about that which you expect will happen, hope. What is the hope of your marriage? Like, have you sat down and written down since you got married? <laughs> Before we get married, we have that, the picture of where we're going to. We've got hope. We get married in hope. But how, what is the hope like? And literally just to, to, to we're going to draw a picture. You're going to draw a picture of what, where we're going to. What is it that we desire to go into? So um, for the men, I will make a joke every now and then. For the ladies, I will share something emotional every now and then. And you will, you will have an amazing time. Excuse for stereotyping you. Like a, so um, maybe just if you put down stuff, we're going to pray now. I'm going to lead you in a reflective prayer. And uh, so nothing strange is going to happen. I'm just going to lead you to pray about certain things softly. You're welcome to pray under your breath. If you feel comfortable and you can, to, you don't have to move your mouth in prayer. I always believe that you have to. But I'm going to lead you to pray. Um, but before that, maybe just close your eyes. And I want you to just to become not firstly aware of God who is here. And I want to ask you this question. In which way is the Lord looking at you right now? I just want to give you a moment just to discern the presence and the person of God who is with you, who brought you here. How is the Lord looking at you right now? Just take a moment and tell the Lord how you feels, how you feel like, because He's looking at you like this right now. Tell Him what you feel like, because He's looking at you like this. And then I just want you to, to locate your spirit, uh, your emotions. What do you feel at the moment about today? Sitting right here next to your spouse in a marriage seminar. What are the feelings that you have? Feelings, various feelings. What are the fears that you have? What are the desires that you have? What other feelings do you, did you bring in there? Just to say, God, these are my feelings. This is what I feel like about today. Just, just to tell that to the Lord. And then lastly, what is the one thing that you desire, the grace that you desire of God, that you receive as a person or as a couple? What is the one desire that you ask of, the grace that you need of God for today? Just ask the Lord for that. Ask it in a way in which you will receive it. I mean, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we are in the presence of God the Father and His love. 
the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace that is available to us, and the joyful, peaceful presence, the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, you're welcome to kiss your spouse just on the side of the cheek or maybe on the lips at the moment, just to say we, we're going for this. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. <clears throat> it is true, uh, a few years ago I wrote an article just because I did research. I, I didn't know this. But you know, the fact that you are married today, so I assume everyone here is married, <clears throat> otherwise it would be awkward, no? We had this friend, Philip remembers this friend, uh, Tinas, who always asks when we announced uh, marriage preparation, he always asks, is it okay, can I come alone? Uh, is it necessary for me to bring the same girl to marriage prep every week? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we said, Tinas, maybe just wait for the next course, just, you know, no, just, for, just for the next course, until someone can commit to eight dates, you know, that will be a sign that you can marry her. <laughs> but it's amazing that, um, that you find a wife finds a good thing. It is true that the fact that you are married to someone, statistically, you will, you will live longer than the same type of person who's unmarried. You will be healthier, like have a longer, not just longer, but a healthier mentally and physically. They say that people who are married are less prone to get infectious diseases for anything from heart disease, anything from cancer, anything from uh, even the normal flu, COVID. <laughs> the fact that you are married makes you more immune to sicknesses. It also proves that you will have a better job than a single person straight throughout the world. They call it discrimination or whatever. I just call it the favor of God. The fact that you are married says that probably you will earn more money than a single person. It's amazing. I can tell you from my, my personal research that um, being married also means you will spend your money less foolishly than your bachelor friends. That's also true. But greater safety, greater security, more wealth, greater income, be happier, live longer. It's amazing. So it is true that who finds a wife finds a good thing. But the next proverb also says is true for us that this is, some of you don't, weren't brought up on a farm, but you have a brain. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but with the strength of an ox, a big harvest is brought in. It says greater success or whatever, depending on your translation. But this is also true, that if you want a simpler life, if you want a more selfish, simple life, <laughs> probably staying single is better. Less complex, you know, simpler life. You will produce less, have a great, less, it won't have such a great eff effect. But I love the proverb here. It just says that if there's an ox in the stable, there will be poo. We're going to have to deal with the poo. The stable will not remain clean the whole time, so we will have to deal with poo. So today we will not deal that much with poo, but the reality is that you come here, some of you came here on marriage prep because it's, Philip said you had to come. Some of you came here because... The poo-to-pleasure ratio at the moment in your marriage is not that great. You know, the poo-to-production ratio. So, so this is true. I love it. Um, the Focus on the Family said that there are three survey, international survey over the years, to say over and over, that there are three big areas. So we're not going to touch all three big areas today, but we'll, we'll touch on it, but we won't focus on all three of them. That what people say they need help with in marriage is to say 
that we don't have sufficient or pleasurable sex. You know, we thought it would be amazing to get married and we'll have sex six times a week or seven times a week or twice a day. That's what they thought. And five years down the line, maybe this is not exactly what you're experiencing. It was less complex at the beginning when you were on honeymoon, but it's now more complex. And, you know, it's like a fighting and stuff about that. So that's the first one. The second one they're saying is, um, is that conflict. Couples struggle to resolve conflict. And um, conflict, when conflict is, we fight about the same thing over, or we fight about everything the whole time. It's like the struggle, the marriage does not have the joy it used to because of conflict. And the third thing is just, it seems as though the, there's no life in their communication. We have a task-driven communication. Who's going to get the kids? Who's going to feed the what? Who's going to run where? You know, who's going to pay the bills? So it's just the organizing of the life. So today we're going to touch on two of those, and we're going to talk about the intimacy which we trust and hope will lead to you having more pleasurable, more frequent sex. So we, we hope for that, but I won't focus on that. The first session, I'm not going to open the Bible um, that much, but in the next two sessions I'll open the Bible more. So for those who just brought your Bibles, we will open it in the second and the third session more. James says... Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of goodness. I love the message translation of that. It says that you can develop a healthy, robust, it says community. I just, for today, I made the community really, really small, marriage. You can develop a healthy, robust marriage with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. But I love the, the original version. It just says that, the literal translation, it says that if you want to enjoy shalom in your home, in your marriage, it means there must be an intentionality about sowing seeds of peace. If you want to cultivate peace in your house, shalom. Shalom, the idea of goodness, wellness, the idea of pleasure, of joy, absence of hostility, absence of conflict. If you want to cultivate that, it means that there must be something intentionally that you sow. And that's why I, I thought about today that we talk about, and you're going to talk with one another, but how can I cultivate affection, warmth, and encouragement, an environment of shalom, a baseline environment of shalom? The Proverbs writer is right when it says that we will most certainly have to deal with <laughs> the effects of having a cow in the house, eh? of having a, an ox in the house. We are going to have to clean up some bit. There will always be clean up because we will be two different people. There, must be, there will be poo in the house. But how do we raise the, the temperature in the house? How do we set the climate of having a baseline of affection, warmth, and encouragement so that when we miss one another or when there's a a day where we really, a week where we're really stressed and work hard, and we don't have that much heart-to-heart -heart connection, it's okay because the baseline is affection, warmth, and encouragement. And I think if you look at all the couples, all of them will say we have to work at a marriage the whole time, but eventually they say that over time they have cultivated rhythms, practices in their house that gives dignity, honor, respect, and just deference to the other one. Affection, warmth, and encouragement. That's where we're going to today. That's what we're going to do. Create joyful intimacy through a culture of affection, warmth, and encouragement. Affection, 
We're going to do a quick test now for you. Affection, a basic need is to be loved, cherished, delighted, show endearment through touch, kisses, gifts, tender words. While I'm talking, I want you just to think about not your spouse's habits. I want you to think about your habits. Okay, so for this first part of the thing, I just want you to, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Just look at the man in the mirror. Don't look at the, the spouse or look at the woman in the mirror. Makakit na yourself. And um, I want you to, well, it's true. Marriage is more joyful in those seasons where we have habits of affection. Affection is shown, we know this, I don't have to say this to you. Uh, affection is shown in holding one another, sitting with one another, arm around, hand on the lip. Over the years, and especially the first few years that you have smaller kids, there's someone that constantly comes between us, and that's why we constantly, that's why we don't have hands on one, of the whole, one another the whole time. That is true. And I think what happens, my personal observation for me and Magrit, so Magrit and myself, we married 17 years this year. Since Solanki, 17 years. So I've known Yaku and Philip for longer than I've known Magrit. It's amazing, ne? Well, I met you pretty much the same time. But we, yeah, we don't have a and of us have a lot But it's amazing that, that Magrit and myself, it's actually with the, the coming of the second child that you, that you, that usually your hands are so busy and your attention is so off one another for the real reason of you have to keep your kid alive. That's good, no? But because of that, we have grown out of a habit of affection, of touching, of kissing, of holding, because maybe we're tired, we haven't slept for two or three weeks, or maybe it's just the fact that I'm always showing affection to this little one and I'm handing the affection to the, you know, to the baby to you. It's a very practical thing. So we were married for seven years. Um, Nathan was born and Marguerite, Marguerite, no, Marguerite wasn't pregnant with Marguerite yet. And uh, then Marguerite started specializing in pediatrics. So we had a very easy seven years. So it, it was the first seven years for us was by Maklik. We've known one another for five years. We were dating and it was by Maklik. We had, an easy, we had an easy life. It was very lekker in our house because we were friends and we went on so many mission trips together. There was no surprise. We had no surprises when we got married. We've known each other for so long. And then Nathan was born. We planted the Urban Church and the Durbanville Church in that year. And Magritte started specializing in pediatrics, studying and working late hours. And uh, after about three months, I'm like... <laughs> what did you do with my wife? She, she turned into someone else, and she was saying the same thing. She's like, I don't like you very much. <laughs> I don't like who you are. And I'm like, Anyway, so it wasn't really helpful. <clears throat> but it's amazing. It was really, really difficult. And it was difficult for me because we weren't used to having a difficult relationship. I wasn't used to fighting with my wife the whole time. We had conflict, but it's like the baseline was easy. And I uh, remember us, for two or three occasions, we went through to our friends, Deval and Donnell in Malmesbury. They passed us, and they're friends of ours, and we drive, and I said, uh, we brought you our marriage. Will you please fix it? <laughs> I don't know. I want to go home with a nice woman again. You know, it's like, and then we talk about, yeah, we... It's just funny, we, we don't, you know, she's not nice with me, and we don't have sex very much, and we, so we had all these conversations with them, and um, it really came down to cultivating habits 
of showing affection. When you call someone a gentleman, ladies, it's, it really, or someone a gentle person, it really is, comes down to a few practical habits that, that the person has orientated his life around, shaped his life, organized his life. It's someone who stands up and greets the person. It's someone who allows a habit of making you walk first. It's a habit of bringing you a gift. It's a habit of pulling out the chair and putting it down. It's very practical habits, which creates the idea that I am cherished and safe with this person. And it's really simple. It's, it's a bunch of habits. It comes from a heart. You don't even know whether this person likes doing these habits. It's amazing. If it's your spouse, you will know. But mostly you don't know. It's just a habit. This person must show these things to you. But if it comes from a heart of me wanting to show honor to you, it really comes down to a few habits. So maybe just uh, this Migliori, Daniel Migliori, beautiful. He's a little bit li liberal. Ah, there I said it. didn't want to say it. But he's a little bit liberal at times, his theology. But he's a systematic theologian. And studying the Trinity... He's, he's, after writing and studying what the nature of God as three in one, his summary, one of his summaries, he says, well, it really comes down to the fact, how do we, what does it help us if we know that God is three but one? He says, this is what it is. It says, it helps us to understand that God is eternally self-giving, other-regarding, community-forming love. This is what we know of the nature of God. And whenever I read that, I'm thinking, God, I hope that I will take on your nature in my marriage, that I will always be a, that our home will be a self-giving, other-regarding, community-forming home. This is who we are. This is what we do. And you know, if it comes from both sides, it's always easier. But someone starts it. Someone starts it. So, affection, warmth. Warmth really speaks about showing kindness. It really speaks about turning your heart to the other one. We, we, we cultivate an atmosphere of warmth because you have my attention. You have my attention and you have my goodwill. I, I'm here for you. I, I'm here present towards you. I want to be with you. And that results in me wanting to show you kindness. It, it can flow over into affection but warmth is just an atmosphere, an attitude that I, that I bring my heart to you and my gentleness. I, I want to be with you. It's, act, it's friendliness of a face. Um, I remember one day coming home during that time. So it just means our baseline was good at some point. Because I came home and I was on the phone. And perhaps you, you've caused the same thing with Philip or Yaku. But one of the members in our community, I was on the phone, phone with him and I was so angry after the phone call. I'm like, I cannot believe this person is doing it again. You know, I had that song in my head. Oops, I did it again. But it's like this person did it again. I cannot believe it. It's like, and I got off the phone. I wasn't angry at the person uh, on the phone. I wasn't disrespectful, but I, I come off the phone, but I was angry. So I opened the door in our house, uh, our smaller house that we had in. It's a very small house. And I opened the door, and it's like there's a living space and a kitchen. And Mahrit was at the kitchen, and I, I came through the door with this vibe, and she looked at me, and she smiled, and she says, Ross, don't you just want to stop there, take that face outside, and uh, come in friend friendly, because you're actually happy to see me, and in that moment, I go like, yes, rech. so I stopped, 
and I walk outside, and I just prayed for a minute under the tree, and I decided to be friendly, and I walked inside the house, and I said, Hello, Magritte, And she goes like, Hi, Liefling. And she walks over, and she kisses me. We had a moment. Yeah, it's amazing. We laughed, but the point is, it is such a simple decision to be friendly. It's a decision to really choose to be with you in this moment and leave that flippant member that messes up his marriage, but be with my wife now. She says, I want to be with you. I can sing a song about that as well. Anyway, so, but it's a decision. Show kindness through friendliness and caring. And it also means, warmth means we cultivate. We, we, we preserve this warmth by acknowledging, wow, I was really wrong to you, and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And then she has to, because she's Christian, she has to forgive me, and we move on. It's like a, sometimes it takes a bit longer. I acknowledge that, even for me, to move on, but it, it's a decision. Okay, so warmth, encouragement, affection, hugs, kisses, gifts, practices that shows that I really, I really I cherish you. Um, maybe just on that point. Love, we often say, we ask, did your parents love you? And um, when we do the encounters, and, and everyone always says, my parents love me. And then you listen to their story, and I'm like, are you sure, you're, are you, sure you feel loved by your... No, I know, because he cared for me. I mean, he put, give, gave me a house and a place to live, and I'm going like, okay. So can I rephrase that question? When, how often did you feel that your dad delighted in you, that he enjoyed being with you, that he loved, he came to you because he wanted to be with you? And I want to ask you the same question. When you talk about showing, do you love your spouse? I, I don't want to ask, do you tolerate her? Are you with her? I want to ask, do you enjoy her and delight in her? And do you feel that she delights in you? So that affection and warmth and then the encouragement bit. As in, and this is so good. This is something that, that I must say over the years, my kids walk in and say, Marguerite would say, sure, Papa. Jij lijkt me bij een mooi vandaag. And I'm like, wow, where did you learn this? And it's like, oh, she picked it up from mom because mom has a culture of affirmation and encouragement. It's a, it's a verbal culture that she, that she acquired. Encouragement through being available emotionally and physically, creating safe environment of trust through an attitude or words of affirmation and encouragement. It's just, it's just being with you. It's just cheering you on. It's, it's, and when, we say, when I say this affection, warmth, and encouragement, if you move away from your spouse, your attention, and just to those of you who still have kids in the home, and just take it to your children, you can, say, you can see what this would do to your children. Obviously, a lot of you, most of us, have these have many of these practices, it's going in your house. Né? But if it's intentional to cultivate this affection, warmth, and encouragement in your home, you can see what it would do to your children to live in such an environment. Confidence, joy, happy to come home. And it really comes down to a few basic practices that you practice, that you initiate in the home. Now imagine... Imagine just the stirring in your hearts if this was true for you. So I want to ask you just to, um, if you have a piece of pen, it will be helpful. Some of you are just brilliant, so you just keep it in your head or on your phone, make a note on your phone. But it will be helpful if you would write affection in our marriage. So leave the home. So in your, in your, in your marriage, just for yourself, 
what is the temperature of affection? Philip, I think there's a slide that just shows a picture. I think so. Uh, one or two, yeah, two down. Thanks. Just to write down, you know, scale of one to ten. I want, to, I want you to scale it, scale of one to ten. What is the, the, the temperature of affection in our marriage at the moment? I didn't ask two years ago when you were on honeymoon or something, but now, at this moment, what, what is it like this past week? Affection. Do we have a seven out of ten or eight out of ten or three out of ten? Same for warmth. How warm? How, how much kindness? How much comfort, companionship do we enjoy in the home? How warm is the environment? When I walk in or when I wake up, there's a song about when I wake up as well. I'm not going to sing that. And encouragement, the same. Think. How encouraged do I feel? How encouraged does my spouse feel in our home environment? Is it more critical? Is it more encouraging? You know, where are we? And just literally just scale it. And before you talk to your spouse, I want to ask you, for each one of these three, what would move it up a notch? Not perfect, but what would move it up? What is the one habit that I can do, that you can do, to increase the affection in your house? One habit that you inhabit. I mean, think of a daily habit. What is one daily habit that I can do to increase affection? Just a little bit. What is one daily habit? And think about the thing that has the greatest impact. What will have that great impact in our marriage? What is one thing that I can do to increase warmth in my house? One habit. What is one habit that will increase Encouragement in my habit, or in my in my house. I want to give you, I'm going to give you 12 minutes, as a couple. So if if you feel comfortable, maybe just to move, that there's a little bit of space between you and another couple, and. Um, Maybe just give you a tip for those of you, us that are, and, and Mahrit and myself were there, so that's what I'm saying. For those of us that are at the moment a little bit stuck in a, in a less than optimistic culture in our house, maybe it's a little bit, f you brought your spouse here because you, was, you were hoping that Ross would sort him out, okay, or her out. If it's a little bit of friction, just throw one another a softball, okay? So, throw another softball. So have a soft conversation about how do you receive, you perceive it. And if she, if you think men generally think it's going amazing in a marriage and women think, wow, where is this guy, you know, then, then if you're there, then um, it's fine. Just hear the perspective. You don't have to argue with it. Don't argue, just hear. And then the question is just what will you do, what can you do? What do you think you can do? One habit that will increase affection. What is the thing that you think you can do? Don't, don't tell him what he should do. Just ask, what will I bring as a gift to our marriage? And celebrate and receive that gift. But listen, I'm serious. This is a habit that I actually want you to really think about that is doable, repeatable, and it's not too difficult. Don't say, I'll date night every night, you know. 
Probably not. But you know, I will kiss you for three seconds on the mouth every day that you walk into the, mouth, into the house. That's something doable, repeatable, and pleasurable. You can do that. Okay, great. Quit so smile, 12 minutes. Just going to give you 30 seconds just to close down your conversation. Okay. So I heard one or two of you laughing. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. I, had this, uh, I have this family member. I'm not going to say anything more because Philip is recording. But we have this family member, or someone I know has this family member, that once said on their wedding day, many, many, many years ago, he said to his wife, I love you, and I don't need to say this every day, I'll tell you the moment I changed my mind. <laughs> so if he was here today, I would recommend saying it at least annually, you know, just, just grow a little bit, <laughs> say I love you Annually, you know, like on the, every time you have a, joking, yeah, so anyway, affection, growth. We cultivate our own shalom through seeds of peace. And seeds of peace are very practical, James, very practical. Very practical habits we do. It is true that we do perhaps have hurts from the past, either in a previous relationship or in this relationship that does spill over, it is possible. But mostly we, we cultivate seeds of peace by practices, by habitual practices that shapes our character, shapes our attitudes, shapes our thoughts towards one another. And we can really, you can really do great. You can really do great by cultivating seeds of peace. By God's grace, we can really show love in practical ways, affection, warmth, and encouragement. So the Focus on a family survey, the big, big survey that they do annually, says that um, one of the greatest needs that couples have, one of the greatest reasons why they don't find joy in their marriage as perhaps they used to or as they hoped for before they got married, is the saying is because, because conversation, communication is stale, is, is factual, is... Um, is mostly organized around work things that we have to do in a home. Now, if you have two or three busy kids and perhaps one or both of you have busy jobs, like I believe all of us have, then, uh, then we can see why. We are rushed and we're too busy to actually have time to have hot conversations. So they say that uh, the Smellies, Greg Smelly and his wife, Irene, they say that there are, th there are four categories of of talk that, that every couple has, you know, and, and small talk is that, I love, it's good to see you, like a, wow, weather's great today, mm, filled up my tank, you know, it's like that, that great conversation, and I want to say, don't laugh at that, that is baseline, every one of those things, the Gottman says, every one of those things is an invitation for you to connect, it's an invitation for connection, 
So when, when, when your husband says, hey, check my pecs, you know, it's like, it's, it's silly and it's funny and it's a, a desire for connection. How many of you have seen, oh, this is bad now, but how many of you have seen that, um, what's the movie where The Rock does these little peck dance? What's it? Philip? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's up here for him I'm trying to figure out what's the name. But my daughter always so the other day she walks in and says, Papa, Papa, you can see doing. Why don't you do this? And her friends were there and I'm like, not the wheel can I now my MPA track. And says, Anyway, it's too much information. But small talk, so any one of those connections is a desire for connection and, and don't, don't rub it off. It's a desire. F- it's, it's showing that I do want to connect. That's why we have this small talk. Otherwise, I would just ignore you and go on. Work talk is that feed the pet, feed the kids, rush to school, what time will you be home? It's the way in which we talk to organize our environment that shapes the way, that shapes the area in which we will live, the, in which our hearts can connect. So it's really important. But it's sadly, this is where most, most marriages, they say up to 90% of communication in marriages that they survey land in categories one and two. 90%, and it's true that those two areas are void of life-giving communication. Um, most couples, they say, and that's why the next session I'll talk about, I'll help us to actually think through how can we actually proactively work through conflict resolution? How can we actually have meaningful conflict in which we can build upon rather than hit the wall every time? So, but most of them. So I want to just jump through and just show you um, the hot talk thing, the hot talk conversation. This is a very old, how many of you have seen any presentation about uh, five levels of communication? How many of you have grown in, in practices of this? Anyone? Philip, I think there's a slide on that. Niemand for Yelani? Okay, great. That's amazing. So uh, I thought I'll just mention it. But I'll spend a little bit of talk. So we get the first one we get is, is, is hallway talk. That's a small text, small, small, small talk um, that we go with. Uh, it's like sexy. Sometimes it can just be a sound. Sometimes it can be a thing. But it's just a means of communication. And uh, like I said, it's every one of those sounds or things that we say is a, is a, is a desire for connection. It's really like hot weather, hot wife, anything like that. It's just a desire for connection. And then they refer to the reporter talk. Reporter talk is... And this is really important. And in my conversations with, with, with couples, I figured out that what we assume is normal isn't normal for everyone. It's actually normal to sit around a dinner table at night and share what I did today. It's baseline communication. It's reporter talk. Reporter talk is, this happened. It's like, and... Men would have mostly have a truncated version of it, and women will have a slightly more colorful version of the day. Uh, I have this friends, we had these friends, and they always said, the wife would tell a story, but she, like my wife, comes from Namibia. And Namibians are notorious for, for a bit of color and texture to their stories. You know, it's like, and so the, the husband, so she's telling about what the builder did in the house and what the builder did in the house. And it's like, and every now and then he would move his head and say, but honey, at least... The builder did say that, you know, it's like, <laughs> and then at some point she says, man, I don't like where you're going to with my story, because <laughs> like, she has a slant. Anyway, the point is reporter talk is, is something that you need to remind yourself. If you don't have the habit of sitting down at the end of the day and sitting down at the end of the week, to just say, this is what happened. 
I'm going to say that's where we start. That's where we start. Literally just to tell you, because I, I bring my life home. I bring myself home. And for the, for the moms at home, you know, with a small baby, uh, the stories aren't that entertaining to tell. Or maybe it's very entertaining and colorful, but it's, it's, it's going to be repetitive. So it's really necessary still just to share my life with you. Third, we get what we refer to as intellectual talk. So the question you asked there, so this happened, what do you think about that? What's your opinion about that? Men generally go for the opinions. This is what I think. This is my opinion on it and stuff. And then the next level of communication is, is this is what I feel. This is how it makes me feel. This is how it moves me. This is what it does to me. This is, this is how it influences my attitude and my affections. I saw a man running across the street today. What's your opinion of that? No, he ran quite well. He looked like a fit man. How do you feel about that? I feel fat. <laughs> I feel overweight and slow. I feel like I was that man. I wish I was that man. Okay, great. So then we move into the next one, into the loving, genuine talk. It's like, so, so love, where are you at the moment? Say, you know, I so miss my youth. I so miss the freedom that I had. I love my kids, but I so miss the freedom that I had where I could also just after, after my work put on my tackies and jog for eight kilometers or 10 kilometers in the mountain. I miss myself, and I miss how I was, you know? Now I'm this serious, boring person, but then I used to be someone, you know, with calves and abs and a personality, and I lost all that. So you move from very simple connection from a reporter talk to this is what's happening, and, and I just, just did this in, in five seconds with you, and I don't even know you, and this was a fictitious story which might or might not be built on true events, anyway. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment to actually practice this. And, and, and I don't want to, again, please throw one another a softball. Like, have a real conversation that happened this week. So, so take something real and intentionally don't rush through it like I did with my story now. Report, you don't have to grunt <laughs> to have, a, have hallway talk moments or stuff. Just start with the reporter talk. And I want you to practice this. I want you to actually to see this as a moment of meaningful connection, not just the exercise. This is a moment because you don't have kids with you and you don't have to rush anyway. You booked out the day and lunch will only be served later. You have this moment. Enjoy this moment of meaningful connection, but give one another opportunity. I'm gonna give you a little bit longer time now, but I really want you to actually practice this. What I actually want is a desire that you see how Simple life-giving, a stupid exercise can be in the presence of God. And to see that this becomes a habit in your home, to have this. Some of you have this habit. I don't want to ask you to raise, this, to raise your hand. Some of you have this habit in your house. Some of you don't. Just before we go there, Philip, I think the second, the second last slide, um, second last slide is uh, communication barriers. Communication barriers is probably a wrong, ooh, I chose the wrong color. Great, but on your right-hand side, you'll see a very opaque, olive-colored triangle, a hill with three gates. Yanni Bueta, great, he used to be, I think he still is, the Blue Bulls um, sports psychologist. So Yanni Bueta, this is, what he, this is his thing. 
and everyone else uses it, but I think it's his thing. He says that all of us in life, we know this. There's a time in your life when you have a six-pack and you look amazing and you've got long hair and everything's amazing. And then over the years, it fades unless you do something to maintain the six-pack and the stuff. But life happens, so there are seasons in your life when you lose those things. And it's so with everything else. We have the, the third law of thermodynamics. Things don't stay on the top. They flow down. Gravity, gravity has its effect. So he's saying, he asks a couple of these questions, how many years have you been married? And they say, no, we've been married for 21 years this year. And they say, wow, amazing. So tell me about your marriage. And he figures out, wow, things aren't that well. And he asks them, so is this a new thing? No, we came back from honeymoon. And he started with this. And then he just stops them and he says to them, no, you've not been married 21 years. You've been married 20 times, 21 times the same year. There's no growth in your relationship. You're fighting about the same stuff and you have the same habits. There's no depth. And he's saying what he's found is three simple practices has moved him and his wife Dodie up the hill every year. And it's gates. He sees them as gates. It's the gate that... I do this practice daily, and we shut the gate behind us. We don't fall back. And we walk up the hill a little bit, and we might slip at some point, but we don't fall further back down this. This is the gate. We don't go back there. And the three gates he does to, so it's part of a communication, part of cultivating intimacy, three practical things. And myself and Magrit are, are very good at two of them, and the third one, it's a hit and a miss. Anyway, so the first gate we're really good at. It's a very simple practice that we have. It's a daily prayer that before we go out of the house. Now, it sounds stupid. It sounds really, really dumb. Pray before you leave the house. But you know, with two kids in a rush schedule and two different times, and someone has to drop the kids and finish the school boxes, it doesn't happen that moment. So It doesn't happen unless you make it a thing. We don't leave the house. And sometimes, Magritte says, and still, but name is Flechtiara, pleats Marguerite's hair. Hey, that was good for Afrikaans boy. Pleats Marguerite's hair while we're praying together. So it's literally, Yaquin Marlies will sit and he will look her in the eye and say, honey, what's happening in your life today? What's, what's up for your day? And she says, well, I have this client to see, I've got to go shopping and I must buy, buy, send my wife flowers. Oh, why are you sending your wife flowers, your mom flowers? Now it's an anniversary and dad passed away two years ago. So it's a thing for her. So immediately she hits a hard thing because he's asking, what are you going to do and why are you going to do that? And then Yaku will say, okay, love, I will pray for you. And the act of praying for what she's going to face today, over 20 years, they are talking to God together, and he's praying to God that God will do well for her. What does it say about his heart? What does she hear every single day for 20 years? Although we had a fight last night, today he really wants, to, he wants goodness for me. So the practice, the habit, shapes our hearts towards he really wants the best for me, although we fought last night. Do you see that? Very simple. And it comes down to what are you going to do today? What can I pray for you? And we pray for that. And sometimes it's nothing special, but it's a simple thing. My wife has been studying, for, I'll share a little bit later, for the past forever, and um, and it's, it's boring and it's repetitive and it's stressful. But the fact that I, every single day, I remind God in prayer with my wife present 
of a promise that he made her many years ago. And it organizes our whole life around the fact that God really has promised this. I believe she can and she will. It's hell at the moment at work. But she's going to go in there and she's going to conquer this. This too shall pass. The fact she really believes that I believe in her. And I remind her that God said this too will pass. Simple, simple practice. And listen, this is a five-minute prayer. Sometimes it's a three-minute prayer because we rushed. This is five minutes. Pray for you. Pray for Nathan. Pray for Marguerite. They pray for me. Simple. Okay, so it's great. Simple practice. Secondly is the weekly. Second gate is the weekly. Weekly connect and the weekly scheduling, communications thing. What did I coordinate? It's a very simple thing. So we sit down and we know what is going to happen in next week. So we look forward. What's going to happen next week? And next week, so this is a scheduling thing. So we, we do this. I'm going to see this, this, and this. And the reason why we schedule is so that we can, the question is in all of that, so when, are gonna, when am I going to see you? <laughs> We're going to do this together. And Ross, you have your pastor stuff. And Magrit, you have your hospital stuff. Where's our time? Where's our thing? And listen, Magrit and myself, we suck at date nights. We don't have date nights that often. We don't have a date night out there often because mostly... But the point is, it's we focus on when will we see each other. When will we actually just relax and open Netflix and pray that God will say something that isn't blasphemous or off today that we can watch. Just one thing. Just give me one thing. You know? And we find something and we enjoy that together. It's a coordinating our life so that she's not suppressed or stressed. We know what's going to happen. We know the next week. It flows over into a bit longer, but we know the next week. And then the connect thing is that to find that once a week where we have a little bit less hurried heart-to-heart connections where I talk about that. So it's like a special time when we just talk. And, sometimes, and mostly, I want to say mostly, it's not deep, deep issues. We don't talk deep issues then. This is, this is like a date. If we have an issue... We schedule an issue meeting. But this is an state. This is lekker. We can't now a good evening on Morse with you what is with me and that I rechtig verkeerd was. I make grapjes, you hear me. And then the annual planning thing. We get this right. We've been doing it for a few years now. Janny Boota and his wife go to a really expensive splash-out place for three days. And pay lots of money to spa themselves and to do stuff. And then in that time, they enjoy one another, rem- remember that they're married, and it's amazing, and then they plan their year. And they plan three things. What do we trust God for, for growth in this connection of ours, this relationship of what, what do we want to see at the end of this year? Second thing, what do we, what do we want to see in, in, our, in our family and the influence we have in our community? And thirdly, what do we trust God for financially, wealth-wise? What do we want to gain this year? So us, family and influence, finances, what do we trust God for? What are we going to plan for? And then we literally, they literally plan the time. And it cultivates these three practices. You see the daily prayer, baseline. If, if all you do is a daily prayer before you leave the home, it's amazing. It's amazing, obviously, if you come back and around dinner table just... Thank God for the things that you prayed for the day that actually happened. So you, you do that closing thing, pray daily, plan weekly, 
and plan annually, celebrate and plan annually is what they do. And it really helps. It, it really, to at the end of the year, when we do our planning again, go back and say, wow, God, we prayed for this. We planned a few things in our year calendar, and it actually did happen. We prayed this for Nathan, and God, thank you, you came through for him. We prayed this for Marguerite. We prayed this for Magrit. We planned for this, and you really, it happened. It happened. So it's amazing if you can do that. And the reason why I'm putting it in here in the affection, warmth, and encouragement bit is it actually does help. Actually, does grow. I'm going to give us 12 minutes now. Again, so I said longer, but I'm not going to steer tight. So 12 minutes. I want to, Philip. There's a. Um, let's take it. Yeah. Let's 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 put that levels of communication. Let's put that levels of communication. Philip, just below the levels of communication, there's a, a slide that says cultivate heart connection, heart talk. A few questions. Thanks, Philip. What was your highs and lows? What causes stress and joy lately? What do you feel? What is your relationship with the child? Um, what's God been telling you lately? These are just questions that the smellies put in for themselves um, on a daily basis when they have a connection. Just say, choose one question because these are hard questions. This is like, what's happening in your relationship? Is there something you want to talk about, joy, pleasure, and stuff? But let's just keep that in the back of our heads and jump to the, the previous slide, Philip. The five levels of communication. Will you kindly, and for, for some of you, I want you to use this as a practice, as a moment in which you can have six minutes, 12 minutes, 20 minutes. You can flow over into tea time with us. But just look one another in the eye and allow the other one the space to say, this is one thing that happened in the week that stood out for me. This is, what I, this is how I make sense of it. This is how it makes me feel. And this is the longings or the desires or the questions that arose in my heart, like moving to a heart question, conversation. And the other person, listen and ask meaningful questions. You may not give any answers or tips or anything like that. This is not a counseling or answer. You can't fix the problem. Okay. Is it right? Like it. So I'm going to give you, Philip, it's tea time at half past, no? About. And tea time will be quite a while. So you have until tea time, at the end of tea time, to have this conversation. If you end earlier, you're welcome. But go and grab a cup of coffee, have this hard conversation. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.